Welcome, this is the Sales IQ Podcast. My name is Luigi Prestonenzi, and I'm on a mission to help salespeople be the best sales professionals they can be. Each week, we'll bring you a different message from thought leaders from around the globe, so we can help you master the art of selling. Have you been in the position where you've received an inbound lead, you follow up, they didn't answer, you send them an email, you get no response, you send a text, nothing. You sit there pulling your hair out wondering, why did you inquire if you're not going to respond to my calls? This week we're joined by Daryl Prale, Chief Marketing Officer of Vanilla Soft, and Daryl is going to deliver some incredible insight into what are some of the tactics and strategies you can do to get more engagement on your inbound marketing leads. This episode is brought to you by VanillaSoft.com sales engagement platform like no other. VanillaSoft is a platform that helps you engage your leads like a CRM just simply can't do. CRM are great, but to engage with your leads effectively, to turn a marketing qualified lead into a sales qualified lead and put more opportunities into your pipeline, you need to get yourself a sales engagement platform. So do yourself a favor, head over to VanillaSoft.com, sign up for a free trial, and see why so many salespeople are closing more deals as a result of using Vanilla Soft. But before we get into this episode, please continue to like, rate, share wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to subscribe. We're dropping some more podcasts each week. We're going to be increasing the rhythm so we can give you more content to help you be the best sales professionals you can be. Some would argue that all this technology that's coming out in the world of sales. This sales enablement technology can hinder the sales process. Some are saying it's it's fantastic because it makes it easier for sales professionals and removes those tedious tasks that are involved in following up prospects and the administration that goes in managing prospects and managing pipeline and managing opportunities and deals. But with all this technology, it can get a bit confusing for sales professionals. That's why this episode with Daryl is going to be fantastic because Daryl's going to share with us some data. He's done some incredible reports on cadence, on touch points, on how you should reach out, when you should reach out, how many times you should reach out. So that if you are developing strong demand gen campaigns and you've got inbound leads coming in, you can at least build an effective cadence to support that inbound lead So you're not leaving anything on the table. So this is going to be a great episode. Daryl comes with a lot of experience. He's a marketing expert and he's a doer. We are joined by a very special guest today. Somebody who's going to demystify marketing qualified leads and sales qualified leads. Welcome to the show, Daryl. My friend, how are you doing today, sir? Oh, fan, going fantastic. It's a nice and early morning here in Melbourne. And, I'm, you know, it's, it's so easy to get up knowing I get to chat to you, Daryl. Okay, so I don't want you to feel bad. So you have a nice and easy morning there in Melbourne. I'm here in Ottawa, Canada, where we just got almost 40 centimeters of snow yesterday. So, hey, you know, it's almost like we're in the exact same place. <laughs> well, you know, I'm sure you're used to it. And uh, that, 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 that cold air and that, that snow and that, that weather will help more sellers pick up the phone. Is that what happens in, in, in Ottawa, Canada? It, it is. It actually, that's a really valid point. They're like, there's no point going outside. So <laughs> I'm going to stay here. I'm going to pound the phone. You nailed it. Yeah. Well, it's better than, you know, so that's right, going outside. So thank you for coming to the Sales IQ podcast. I know we've, we've done this once before, but there were some technical issues. 
Um, and so I really appreciate you making your time available to come onto the Sales IQ podcast. I think there was no technical issues at all. I think you just wanted to spend more time with me. I think it's just, you know, it's okay, man. You have a man crush on me. I get it. It's all good. Well, mate, before we get into, you know, what is going to be an awesome episode because we're going to talk about marketing qualified leads, sales qualified leads, um, sales engagement, some of the stats. So we're going to, you know, we're going to push away all the myths around inbound leads um, and talk about some of those important stats for, so that salespeople can actually build cadences that get some form of engagement from leads. We'd love to know a little bit more about you, what you do in your current role, and how you started in sales. Oh my, okay, so I, by education, am a computer programmer. Do they call them computer programmers anymore? I'm a developer, I'm I'm a software developer, there we go, by education, even though when I went to school, I was a computer programmer. And, and, and it was one of those, true story, funny story, a different era, you know, wasn't as um, prolific as it is now, shall we say, with the whole software development thing. Um, and I went to school and I saw all these people who I started school with that were just so cool, so hip, so amazing. And by the end of my three-year stint there, they'd all become, I'm in no offense to the developers out there, they'd all become nerds. They're all like, man, there's this latest library and this latest driver and this is what they talked about. And I'm like, oh man, there's more to life than just freaking you know, coding. Yeah. And I was really good at it and I enjoyed it, but I just saw them change. And the irony is I changed the other direction. So when all was said and done, I'm like, I said to my, uh, my girlfriend, now wife, at the time, I'm like, I don't, I don't want to do coding. I'm, I'm t- I don't want to be them. And, and I don't know what to do. And I asked around and everybody said, Daryl, you're a natural for sales. And I'm like, sales? What, what the hell does that mean? I don't know what the hell sales are. I'm a, I'm a young kid. So I, I go, okay, sales. That's what everybody says. I'm good at sales. So I start looking around and, and I start applying to jobs. I had a story where I got pulled into this organization. They sold plumbing, fittings and supplies. And it was the classic. I get there, you know, I probably look like I'm 12 years old. And the guy <laughs> says to me, and he says in the interview, you know, sell me this pencil. Now today I could ah. sell you that pencil. I sucked like you wouldn't believe. And then eventually I go to this other interview and I got the job and I was selling photocopiers door oh, to door. There right? it is. There it is. That, that, that uh, hell that we all seem to start <laughs> with. We always start with either, you know, telemarketing, photocopier sales, door to door, whatever it might be. And, um, and I lasted six months. I could have lasted more. But after six months of, of just pounding the pavement, getting the rejection, getting the door shoved in your face, uh, and then the other part too, what I didn't like about it, in all honesty, was I didn't like how slimy so many of the salespeople were. There were the good ones, yeah, and there were the slimy ones. And I didn't like the slimy ones were just screwing over the, the customer. These were mom and pop stores. They didn't have a lot of money, and they were just taking their money. I didn't like that. So I said, okay, I'm going to go back to coding and try that for a while. And I did that for four or five years. And then I got into sales engineering. Yeah. And that got in. And then away we go. And then I did a, I, I had a, I, every single company I went to, I was doing sales and marketing, it seemed. And eventually I worked my way up and I was a VP of sales. And then I, then I was a VP of marketing. And I did back and forth, literally back and forth, sales, marketing, sales, marketing. And then ultimately I said, you know what I like? I like being a CMO. And this is why I like being a CMO because I have, all the action, I get to talk to all the clients, I get to talk about the solution, I get to promote, I get to have great times, and I have zero quota obligations. So I, I, you know, every month or every quarter, I'm cool. I don't actually have to worry about 
did I hit my number or not? So that's what I do. It sounds lame, but uh, so uh, we're, just, we're just going to, you know, and thank you for sharing that, Daryl. I mean, that's a, that isn't a remarkable, you know, path to sales. You know, you're going from coding to a little bit of selling, back to coding, then into sales, you know, back to sales, then into marketing. But just back, just just going to go a little bit back. Sure. You said that you're not go back, yeah. For, you know, hitting targets and quotas. But tell me, as a, as a modern day CMO, surely there's some key quotas that you need to meet from a from a lead and, and you know marketing oh, lead perspective. There totally is. So that's the funny part, right? So when I say I don't have a quota, you know, I don't have, you know, you gotta close ten deals, yeah. you gotta contribute, you know, ten thousand dollars of net new revenue, whatever that number might be. Um, you gotta hit a quarter million or a million or whatever it is for the for the year. I don't have that in a sales yep. transactional context, but I do have quotas. You're 100% right. Uh, so part of my compensation, first and foremost, is the company has to get both a combination of new customers, uh, increased market share, and revenue targets. And if, re- if marketing doesn't help achieve that, I don't get a big part of my, my compensation. That's the first okay. part. And then we work backwards based on what we know the numbers are. We do the classic funnel math, right? All right, so what's our close rate? And then how many deals do we have to work? And how many leads do we need to do? And I have monthly quotas that I have to hit for actual marketing qualified leads that I pass off to the sales team so that they can do what they do. And if they're not, if I'm not hitting quota, yeah, I'm held accountable to that. Absolutely. So this is what excites me so much about this conversation because, you know, you've got access to some incredible data. You've done a study on, you know, leads and when to call a lead and how many times to answer and there is a, you know, the debate will never go away. Unfortunately, um, somebody pulled me into the debate last week on LinkedIn again, you know, cold calling um, versus social selling and all that sort of stuff and inbound versus outbound. <laughs> it just doesn't die, right? I don't know why it doesn't die. <laughs> never I just, dies. I just feel never like dies. stopping on that bloody topic. And, but the reality is this is a challenge that's facing modern day sellers, right? Is, you know, some, some, some pundits are saying, Stop picking up the phone. There are other ways. It's a new way. Some are saying generate inbound. Now, I get the pleasure to work with a few different organizations in my role, you know, as a consultant and um, spend a lot of time with that conversion rate optimization area and looking at how we can improve inbound lead performance or outbound um, activity. Now, one of the things I find for businesses that are heavily reliant on inbound leads, then it's not the saviour. Because they either don't have the right systems or if they do have an amazing sales engagement platform like VanillaSoft, um, some of the key challenges are is those inbound leads that are coming into the sales team aren't necessarily at that point where they're ready to buy, right? Some are at that real low interest. And so, you know, this this is the debate, you know, do we as sales professionals now that there's the, you know, the brilliant world of digital marketing and they can flood your pipeline with inbound leads, do we just manage our inbound leads or do we have a combination of both? So I want to I talk to you a bit about this because this is very exciting, marketing qualified. And first, for the people that don't know, what is a marketing qualified lead and tell me how does that differentiate from a sales qualified lead from your professional okay. opinion? From my, so I like that you said from my opinion. So from my opinion, it's really straightforward and you don't need to make it any more complex than this, right? So a marketing qualified lead is something that 
the sales and marketing leaderships have respectively agreed will be handed off, will have certain qualifiers, which I'll go to in a second, that marketing has to achieve before they hand it off to the sales organization. Now, this is making an assumption that the sales organization has both a sales development and an AE team or a full, a full cycle sales mm -hmm. rep, all right? So that's, in other words, the SDRs do not reside in marketing. So typical for an MQL, what marketing generates is we have, the, we have an agreed upon industry, mm. job title, revenue size, all right? If you minimally have that, that for many people is an MQL. Now, you'll see lots of forms out there, like do you have a project, do you have an existing piece, do you have a CRM, do you have an existing piece of technology, right? Those are additional qualifiers. So for example, on a sales engagement platform, you know, VanillaSoft, I'll use that simply as an example, we typically sit between the marketing automation tool and the CRM. And we sell to SMB primarily. So for me, if somebody were to have HubSpot as an example, then that would be another attribute that I might say, oh, that's MQL, because we know they're willing to invest in marketing automation. Mm. Ergo, they're probably willing to invest in sales engagement. MQL, in nutshell, is what do sales and marketing agree is the bare minimum needs to happen. And often that's title, yeah. revenue size, um, industry, and sometimes some complementary pieces of tech. Yeah. So you get your ICP or ideal yep. customer profile, and there's some certain traits that you're looking for, yep. sales say yes, tick, and that's a marketing qualified lead. And then, you know, the differentiator between sales qualified. So sales qualified. So, and I, and I do want to come back to, I want to talk about MQL for one more second, but I'm going to, yep. sales qualified for context. Sales qualified just means it adheres to whatever uh, sales uh, qualifiers you think are relevant. So for example, I'll use a cliche of BANT, B-A-N-T, all right? So if I take this MQL and I work the phones and emails and I finally get a conversation with them, I'm going to say, do you have budget? Do you have authority? Yeah, do you yeah. have need? Do you have a timeline, all right? Now, this is not a, you know, a pro-GANT, anti-GANT discussion. You can put whatever qualifiers you want in there, but, but that's a sales qualified. Yeah. M MQL, I, you know, I know the tombstone data, if you will. SQL, I know that they've got time and need and budget and authority, and therefore I can move them into a defined opportunity. Yeah. So MQL, SQL. Now, I do want to talk about one thing on the MQL where people, where marketers screw it up or people use the wrong terminology. So you'll hear many marketers say, if I have a right lead score, <laughs> then, it's, then it's an MQL, all right? So whatever you score on, website visits, da content, download it, et cetera. That's not always true. So you guys got to figure that out. And you need to understand, you always talk about lead score, but this is a concept of a grade and they're very, very different. Mm. All right. So a lead score is what I said, you know, they've gone to a website, they've visited a page, they sign up for a webinar, uh, they listen to the sales IQ podcast, they filled it, you know, whatever it might be, all these little attributes that I can track and the score is getting higher and higher and higher and higher. The downside of that is, yeah, that could be a qualified MQL or it could just be a student doing research who has no need, no budget, no authority whatsoever. High score, but not relevant. Grade says, do they match my MQL attributes, title, yeah. revenue, industry, all right? So they may have only gone to your site once, low score, 
but boom, they're an A plus grade. Yeah. All right. So in a vanilla soft case, if you're a high grade, like an A plus, you match all this stuff, I pass you off to be deemed, all right, you know, to, to chase the SQL. Yeah. If you're not a high grade, then I'm going to work you and try to get you to a score level. And then when I get to a certain score level, then I'll pass you off. But it, they'll understand it's kind of a, a tier two SQL mm -hmm. versus a tier one. That's a little more complex, but I do want to say score alone does not make an MQL. Yeah. And this, this, this is the challenge, right? Because whether you're an SMB, you're, you, you know, or you're, you've got a big sales team, you've got a small sales team, you've got a bunch of technology stacks. The challenge is, you know, with all these different grades, scores, et cetera, as a sales professional, you've got a quota to make, right? Yes. And so in all of that, you've just got to be able to go, wow, I've still got to achieve my target. Right, and the stuff, a lot of this stuff, it's not about going over their head, but the simplicity of selling is I need to get a certain amount of people in a conversation and a certain amount of people through my pipeline, right, to yep. get to an overall objective. So, you know, this is where I see the challenge and I, I feel for sales professionals today because they are, they're getting, they're getting you know, heaps of inbound. They're, they're being told you've got to create, get some pipeline coverage, um, and yet... You know, they're, they're, they're just, they're faced with, you know, conflicting priorities. Now, tell me, one of the things I loved about your data, and I build cadences based on this, is the actual, you know, the, the lead um, test that you did or the, or the data that you did on how many leads come into a, how long it actually takes us to engage. So, can you share some of that data, yeah. please? So, yeah, so the study was done with the University of Ottawa in Canada, they specific, specifically their Telfer School of Management. And so what's interesting with the study was it actually isn't, it is not a vanilla soft study, but what we did was we said, here's all of our data. Yeah. You do the study, and so the study is actually an academic study, and it's been peer-reviewed, and it's been published by the school. We gave them over 400 million records, which they cleansed down to what they said met their criteria, which was 130 million records. So what they did come to us, though, and they said, okay, we're to our, the study and our, our own analysis, but is there anything you specifically want us to look for? And we said, yes, yes, there is. Mm -hmm. One of the things was there has been this myth perpetuated. We think it's a myth is uh, that you have to call within five minutes of a lead coming in or you're dead in the water. And that goes back to a study that was done in 2007 that people are still quoting today, yep. um, many, many years later. That was done on literally 15 accounts. <laughs> 15, and, it, and it appeared at HBR and everything else. So they go, well, it appeared at HBR. It must be, well, no, HBR is not a peer-reviewed publication. So... <laughs> We did a study, and lo and behold, this is what happens. The data comes back after 130 million records, and it says, if you call within five minutes, the likelihood of a successful next step, remember, you're always making those calls just to have a next call, right, is less than 5% if you connect. But if you wait 30 minutes, it goes up to almost 20%. And if you, if you wait more than an hour, 
it drops like down to 8%. And after a day, you're back down to less than 5%. So the sweet spot was really within an hour. Call within an hour. You do that, you're, you're safe. But ideally, 30 minutes. Now, what was really interesting is when I presented that data at lots of conferences, I got a ton of pushback. People said, nope, we follow that rule and it works for us and you're wrong. I'm like, okay, well, it's 130 million records, but hey, what do I know? So then we went and did another study where we studied 2,000 B2B buyers. And we said, okay, that data, the original study was based on seller and seller activity. Now we're asking you as a buyer, forget the sellers. Yeah. When do you want to be contacted? A, do you know when you fill out a form or something that we're going to call you? And overwhelmingly, yep, we expect the call. Great. When do you expect the call? And you know, what is the outcome if it happens in this timeline? And what, what we got over, over and over again was they said 30 minutes to two hours we're cool. If you call us sooner than 30 minutes, we're never taking your call. You're stalking me and I wow. hate it. Yeah. So there you go. Two sides of the coin. That's the information. Wow. So response time is actually really important in that you don't want to be too quick, but you also don't want to be take too long because it impacts the, the ability to get them on the phone or to get them into some sort of offline conversation. Is that correct? That's correct. Now, there's going to be exceptions to that rule, right? Yeah. I mean, one of the things we hear a lot, you know, like maybe you're in insurance, for example, so this is really prominent in the US, where they buy leads from lead aggregators. So these guys have all these landing pages out there. Uh, do you want to apply for a loan? Fill it all out. And then they sell that lead to like 10 different companies. <laughs> At that point in time, it's like, you know, he or she who calls first usually yeah. gets the business. There's it's just always vultures. exceptions. It's just people calling from everywhere. Yes, <laughs> vultures. Perfect. You got it. So there's always exceptions, but yeah, that's the gist. That's the gist. Yeah. Okay, so that's really interesting, right? So for any you know any modern sellers that have got incredible inbound lead campaigns happening, and you're bringing in leads, it's a really good data. You know, some really good data there to say, hey, you know, time it. Your lead comes in. Wait twenty to thirty minutes, then give them a call, so they don't feel like your big brother and stalking the hell out of them. Because we do, we have incredible, you know, data that when, you know, for example, on my website, somebody comes and they put their details in then I know exactly where they're going, what they're doing, what they're engaging with, what they open. Um, it's incredible, you know, it's incredible data to see from a marketing perspective. But now let me ask, yeah. let me, can I ask you a question? I'm going to be, I'm going to flip the tables on you. See, instead of you interviewing me, I'm going to interview you now for a second. All right. So I'm the, I'm the marketer. I generate inbound leads typically, I know we're generalizing, what percentage of leads that the sales force is chasing should be inbound versus outbound? Because it's my experience that too many reps are waiting for marketing to feed them and they've lost the ability to hunt. This is a really good question, Daryl. And, you know, if, if, this is just my opinion. I mean, I'm going to get hammered you know, when, I, when I say this. But I believe, you know, look, take, you know, whether you're an SDR or you're a marketing response rep, if you're a marketing response rep and your job is to just qualify inbound leads, that's different, right? But if you are yep. there to close business, um, regardless if you've got an SDR team creating opportunities for you or not, I believe it should be a 70-30 split. So 70%, 60% of my business that I build should be from self-generated. Um, I should not be relying on marketing to send opportunities into my pipeline. That is what I call the cherry on top of the cake, right? Um, that is not the cake. And if I am going to feed myself with marketing qualified leads, I'm going to be a very skinny sales professional. 
<laughs> and, that, and that's just, my, you know, that's my honest opinion. No, I agree with you. I, I'll, you know, what I advocate is any, depends on your company, mm. but typically anywhere 40 to 60% should be inbound yeah. and the, the balance should be outbound that you identify, you're chasing, you're, you, here's my list. I'm targeting these people away I go. Because yeah. um, you've got I your ICP, you've got your buy persona. Now, just because, you know, people aren't inquiring direct doesn't mean they're not interested or don't have a need or don't have a problem, as Keenan say, says. They don't have a problem that needs to be fixed. So, you know, if we wait, then potentially this is the difference. This is what I love about, you know, Mike Weinberg in his sales truce. He talks about automaker, you know, um, and, and the person that can make it rain versus order taker. And, and this is why sales professionals today, and you know what, it's becoming a sea of just noise. There is so much, you know, marketing messages being thrown at the buyer that you've got to be able to cut through, you know, find different ways to get them on the phone, um, you know, whether it's being, and, and this is where Kate, and, and there are so many, you know, f- for me, I, I, I see this time in and time again. I talk to VPs of sales and CEOs and they say there's just not enough activity. My team aren't creating enough pipeline coverage. There's a number one problem impacting sales teams today, businesses today. What is it? Some reports suggest 50 to 70% of sales teams aren't meeting quota. That's massive, right? Um, yet there's so much money being spent on generating inbound leads. So, um, Daryl, I want to ask you, that, that report that you did also had some incredible data about lead engagement and how many times it actually takes to engage with a lead. Can you share some of that data with us, please? Absolutely. And of course, this is a, a constantly moving thing. But the, the gist is typically reps are engaging with a prospect two to three times and then they give up. But what you're seeing is our data showed that on average, if I had to do the average, it was six to eight times was necessary to connect. But it varied wildly by industry. So for example, in the insurance industry, it took eight attempts to engage, right? Um, So depending on the industry, we got as low as kind of like five, big heavy concentration between six and eight, but many industries were 10, 12, 14, or 18. I know the Bridge Group just did very recently their latest report, um, and they're saying now their their data shows it's 9.2 attempts. Um, But the issue is too many reps are churning through those inbound leads, making two or three attempts and giving up and saying, marketing, you sucks. Your leads are no good. And and the fact is, if you just would have made, say, eight or nine or 10 attempts, you would have connected with them. And you you actually wasted what could have been a really good lead. Absolutely. And for the listeners out there, I actually build cadences, right? And I, I... Help organizations improve um, lead conversions. And when I spoke to Daryl the first time about this data, I completely changed my cadence plan. And the impact as a result has been insane, Daryl. Um, they're getting, you know, they're making their productivities improve because they're making more calls per day. Because the reality is the amount of activity required to hit nine attempts, you need to be doing a hell of a lot of work, right? Um, yeah. And their conversions are improving because they're getting more people at some point on the phone. So just on that. So typically, salespeople get an inbound lead. Could be an expensive one. It could be a cheap one. 
Um, and they are stopping at around two to three attempts where actually the data says it's more like eight to nine attempts. And we're not talking about just phone attempts. We're talking about, you know, an omni-channel model, right? So um, phone, email, SMS, LinkedIn, is that correct? Yeah, that's all of the above, social, et cetera. And the thing is, what you're going to find, though, is certain reps, and I, you know, we like to stereotype and say, is this an age bias? Perhaps it is. Certain reps are afraid of the phone, and certain yeah. reps are afraid of social. So what you've got to do is you've got to make sure that if you're a, if you're a rep, that you actually invest and overcome your own fear. But if you're a sales manager, that you're coaching your team and holding them accountable to physically make sure you're doing omni-channel. Because if you're just making nine full call attempts, that's just creepy. The other part there is, is that people communicate differently. I don't know about your kids, Luigi, but my kids are, you know, same parents, dramatically different communication <laughs> styles. Yeah. Holy smokes. You punish them differently. You talk to them differently. You motivate them differently. And so you, once you recognize that, you know, some, I had someone the today as an example. He pinged me on LinkedIn and he said, Daryl, I have tried you on email. I have tried you on your phone. You've not responded. And I actually respected the honesty. But I see you're really active on LinkedIn, so I'm trying you here. And That's he was cool. right. I remember, I remember the emails. I remember the phone calls. And he's right. I totally blew him off. But yeah. when he said that, I was like, fair enough. And by this oh. point in time, it was like, you know, you've earned it. You've earned it. You've, been, you've chased me. You've gone all through the channels. You've earned it. And, and boom, he got the deal. So that, my point is, you don't know how they're going to respond. You got to do multi-channel. And you know what? You're right. Because I've got somebody from a, um, a sales development rep hunting me and did the same thing. And the topic of the, uh, the email topic was great podcast, Luigi. And then it, it started, it started, and I opened that because I love, I love seeing that, Daryl. And I, I opened it and it said, listen to, you know, the sales evangelist you starred. Um, and she actually put, you know, what she liked about it and then explained what she could do to help me. So, you know, fix a particular problem. And I really loved it. I really loved um, that outreach that's occurring. And, and this is cold outreach, by the way. So this is not even an inbound, an inbound lead. I haven't inquired for anything. So, Okay. I, I, I got to share with you. Okay. I actually, I shared this email with my entire sales team and my entire marketing team. All right. I, I see so much crap. You wouldn't believe. <laughs> and the subject line, all it said was this, John Barrows. G2 metadata. Yeah. That's all it says. All right. So I'm giving a shout out to the folks here at metadata.io. Um, uh, Danny Reed, if you're listening, the, you're a rock star. Daryl, you showed up on my LinkedIn feed yesterday uh, through the cold calling web webinar you did with John Barrows. Uh, I was on his podcast earlier this month. I'm a big fan of his content. I was at G2. So now I have context. I know why we're talking. I was at G2 the last four years. Street cred. He's credible. And, yeah. and I, know you're, I know you're a customer. I read your LinkedIn bio. So he's telling me he's, pers he's personalizing this. Yep. And, and it said you boosted your Facebook engagement by 2x among other accolades. Uh, Adam Goyet, G2's VP of the Man Gen, posted this article, hyperlink, about he increased his match rate on Facebook from 5% to 50%, lowered his cost per lead by 50%, while his lead conversions were almost as good as his inbound demo requests via the website. Okay, marketer me is getting all hot and heavy now because he's doing <laughs> it. He did a lot of that with metadata. The company I chose to leave G2 for. Oh, wow. Would you, would you like to learn how to do the same thing? End of email. Bingo. And that's cold, right? That's what cold outreach, that's, yeah? 
I respond to him as the best email ever. Sign me up. Yes. And I never do that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's cold. Cold, but he did his research. He personalized. He made it relevant. And it just shows you that was email. But, uh, but he did his research on social and everything else. So anyway, I just had to share that. So sales people, sales folks, this is a brilliant topic to be discussing. If you want more qualified opportunities in your pipeline, repeat what Daryl just spoke about. Personalize, understand your ICP, know your buyer persona, serve up content that's going to compel them to take action, and then follow up. One of the failings that I see on a daily basis is you just don't follow up on the activity. And so you've got to follow up and you've got to personalize and you've got to know your ICP. So really appreciate you sharing that with us, Daryl. So you Darryl, know he didn't do in that? Just he, what's then we'll, I'll shut up. He didn't say my product does feature A, feature yeah. B, feature C. Yeah. Okay. And he didn't say, can I get 15 minutes on your calendar tomorrow at 2 p.m.? Just yeah. saying. I'll shut so up. He didn't try to close you. He didn't vomit on you. As Jeff oh, says, he didn't vomit in the yes. name. I get that all the time. You know, do you want to blah, 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 delete, right? Yep. Um, I can probably delete. <laughs> um, but so you, you, you see a lot of data. You see, you know, um, there's two questions I'm going to ask. But you see a lot of data for businesses that, you know, are, go, are listening to this going, oh, geez, I've just got a CRM and marketing automation. I don't have a sales engagement platform. You're telling me about all these data. I'm getting a lot of leads. My CPL is low, but my CPA is high because, you know, we've got such a low conversion. Where do I start when it comes to improving engagement with inbound leads? Oh, my. How much time do we got left in the <laughs> show? Um, now, what are some so one, one or two actions I should be taking from listening to this to help them on this journey of improving their engagement with leads, apart from going to vanillasoft.com and downloading a free trial. Yeah, but apart from that, okay, so you've already alluded to this, it's a two-parter. Yeah. You've already, uh, in our conversation here about cold and, and, and messaging, you alluded to having the right message that 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 engages and is personalized and is relevant, all right? And it's provocative. You're not going for the cliche clothes. You're not doing a feature dump. That's the first part, to engage. Second part, if so if you pass that test, uh, or if you, that's the test to make me go, hmm, as, as the recipient of your outreach, whether it's a phone call or social uh, or, or, or email, doesn't matter. I'm going to go, hmm, interesting. Who is this Luigi Preston NZ guy? And I'm going to yeah. go Google you and I'm going to go check you out on social media. If I see that you've invested in your personal brand and your expertise and in the community, that is going to dramatically increase my likelihood of responding to you because I feel like you can add value. Too many of you are broadcasting to me that you're just a sales rep. You don't have any knowledge. You're just going through the scripts mm. and I, I am just a transaction to you. I want to partner with you, not be sold by you. So yeah. if you're going to get that inbound lead, it's critical that you have structures like that and that when I check you out to do the litmus test, that you pass it. Do that and I will engage every time. But I, there's a big caveat. Right now you're listening, you're saying, you don't engage every time. I've tried that. It doesn't work. <laughs> I'm busy. You have to chase me down. You have to ping me eight, ten times and I will finally relent and say, you win, you get some time. Yeah. 
Okay, so it's highly personalized, making sure your brand has, uh, you know, demonstrates that you are an expert, you're a domain expert, and you can provide some value. And the value is huge. And yeah, the value part is huge. Like in that example, the email I just read, he yeah. didn't tell me, but I have no idea what his product does. Yeah. All I know was this person whom I know got these results and based on my ICP being a marketer, that's relevant to me because I posted about it previously. He can help me out. Do you want to know how he did it? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Softest sell ever. That's, that's relevance. Yeah. Fantastic. And okay, so that's really good. And, and also, you know, just b before we sort of come to the end of our, of our awesome discussion, and with you, there's so many different topics we can talk about, Daryl. Um, you know, when you, when you looked at the data, you see, you know, um, the required amount of touch points that, that are needed to get a, to get a lead on the phone. Um, you know, based on also working with a number of organizations, what separates great you know, sales organizations that get high conversions to the ones that don't get as high conversions with their inbound leads? Okay, so there's a couple of things that separated them. Um, believe it or not, one is the coaching. The coaching yep. was a huge aspect. Um, the other part was a lot of the A-B testing. Okay. So that you're always optimizing the message and seeing what worked. Those two alone did it. The last part uh, it sounds stupid was because we've talked a bit about it already was the messaging mm. too many exactly what we talked about right because in the end of the day at the end of the day you're you, you know we're using vanilla soft or another tool or even just traditional like a spreadsheet and email and, and and a landline sitting there on your desk you can do the cadence in one way shape or form we just help you do it better and faster more consistently yeah but if you don't have the right message and you're not improving and you're not testing to see what works and what doesn't work and sharing that knowledge together, you're dead in the water. None of that has to do with sales engagement. It all has to do with sales yeah. skills, sales process, sales, yeah. um, uh, you know, it's, it's true selling. Mm -hmm. So that's the companies that did best. The, okay. I cannot emphasize enough how coaching was dramatic. So for example, not even just one-on-one, -on -one, but like get in a, get up in a pit together and like, let's just do some calls one after the other. You go, then you go, then you go. And mm. let's learn from each other what worked, what didn't work. And then, and then iteratively improve upon it. That's how it, it just do it. Yeah. And so this is really interesting. You can have the best platforms, you can have the best systems and marketing automation, sales engagement, but you've got to put stuff into there that's highly relevant. If you don't have the right cadence and you don't have the sequences designed and thinking about the buyer persona and what is the message I need and the content that you need to serve up, all these platforms are irrelevant. It's not going to help you achieve a better outcome. Well, in fact, you know what it'll do? It'll actually kick you in the ass even more because here's <laughs> why. The sales engagement platforms, because they are so fast and they are so efficient and they just make you go pump through a ton of outreach. Yeah. If you don't have the right message and the right value prop and all that wonderful stuff, you're going to burn your leads faster than you ever imagined. So it's going to be like, okay, it's been three days working and we're out of leads. We just went through a thousand leads. Now what? Yeah. Because you sucked as opposed to doing the follow-up. And <laughs> That's right. So it's, it's not just that, yeah, it, it'll actually make yeah. you, it'll, it'll kill you faster. <laughs> and so one, and thanks for sharing that, Daryl. But one question I ask all my guests, in your opinion, is sales an art or is it science? 
Oh, my. I'm going to say sales is a science, but like many industries, there's always one or two artists among you. Yeah. Well, that's a good one. Now, that's the, that's the, we have the bell. That's a great response, Daryl. So, mate. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on the Sales IQ podcast. You've shared some incredible insight. And for any sales professional, for any sales leader, for any marketer listening to this, there's a number of key things that they can take away that'll improve their sales performance. So this has been highly valuable. So I really appreciate it. But before we let you go, where can, you know, for listeners that want to engage with you, they go, you know what, I want to know more. I want to know more about sales engagement. I just want to know more about the report, the Telfast School of Management report um, that is, you know, has been done on such a huge sample of, of leads. Where can they find you? All right. So a couple of answers. Go to vanillasoft.com. There's lots of stuff there. The resources library is massive. You can go write resources, white papers, and that Telfer study is right there. Or I'll make it really simple for you. Just Connect with me on LinkedIn, Daryl Prail. Notice that Prail rhymes with sale. <laughs> and Daryl Prail, and once we connect, say, Daryl, I want the study, I'll personally send it to you. So that's yep. the best way. Okay, fantastic. Well, thanks again for joining the Sales IQ podcast, mate. And look, you've, you've, you've come up with a, a number of different topics that we'll need to chat again. And I will see you at Outbound, the biggest, the baddest sales conference in the world in May, Daryl. So I'm really looking forward to it. Likewise me, my friend. Likewise me.